We just can't on our own. And there's where the amazing grace of God comes in. God's grace, and we need grace. How many can agree with that? We need grace. God's grace helps us uh, say no to sin. You've heard that phrase, just say no. Well, some people can't say no. They don't have that ability to say no because they're so bound. But how many of us have watched somebody that was so bound finally surrender to God and repent and give their life to God and God takes those cravings and those things and gives them the power to overcome those things. And uh, we've all seen it. There are people sitting in this room that God has delivered. So if you, if you think I can't be delivered, just look around. There's several testimonies of God delivering people from the very same thing that you're bound with. That's called amazing grace. Now, the buzzword today, if you've listened to any news in the last several years, there's one word that comes out of a lot of this, and it's used by every political spectrum you come from. It's, they, they all use this exact same word. And that word is misinformation. Now, they, somebody else claimed that, well, that's misinformation. Do you know that nowadays if you say something on Facebook and they deem it as misinformation, even if you're right, they'll, they'll deplatform you and take you off and demonetize your channel and uh, uh, just take you down where you have no voice because they, in, in their estimation, they don't want you to say that. They call it misinformation. They use it. Uh, and now they're coming back and say, well, that's a, just, just, we just found out that wasn't misinformation that we took your channel down. It was actually correct. <laughs> Wonder what they'd do if you could sue them. Of course, they're protected right now, for now. If you could sue them for taking down your, your YouTube or your, your Twitter account or whatever. Because what you deemed back then was misinformation. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it was true. But they use it. It's, it misinformation is Some call misinformation correct information. And some call correct information misinformation. And it usually has to do for the purpose of making us believe what they want us to believe just because they declared it and they have the power to do it. They own the platform, I guess. But I digress. But one bit of information is that it doesn't matter what you do wrong in life, that the grace of God will take care of it when you die. That is definitely misinformation. That's something you've got to do before you die, is take care of it. Like the, old, the song says, the old account was set long ago. But my record's clear today because he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. And I, we've all been to funerals that, that uh, have put some of the worst in our society into heaven. It's like <laughs> you've heard the story of the, the man that passed away and his, his boys were sitting there and the, the wife and sitting by their mom and, and the man of God was up there talking about how how he was a pillar of the community, and he, he always tried to help his fellow man, 
and I always had a smile on his face, had a good kind word to say to people, and always given to people. And and the, the wife, his wife, elbowed the eldest son and said, "Son, go up there and look in there, make sure that's your daddy." We've we've heard those. I've been to some though it was true. And those are the kinds we funerals we like to go to. Uh, not that we like funerals, but we prefer those kind. Now I'm not here to put them in heaven or take them out. That's God's job. But my Bible says there is a penalty for sin. There is a penalty. Even the apostle Paul said that he had to beware that while he preached to others, he himself would become a castaway. Now, what, what could he possibly, the Apostle Paul possibly be a, afraid of? Well, he was afraid that in the process of preaching, that he focused mostly on preaching and not on his own soul. And you say, is that possible? Yeah, it is. Preachers and pastors, even our general superintendent, our district superintendent, the secretaries, the board members, guess what? They all have to take care of that personal man, too. They all have to pray, just like you have to pray. We have to have that relationship with God. We have to read his word. And it's, it's when people, no matter if they're, they are a preacher, you, could, you may just be a saint, but if you stop doing those things and you, you sever that relationship with God, then you have to beware. And that in that process, you may even still come to church you still become lost. But grace is, not, grace is not a license to sin or to live any way we want and still be saved. But rather, grace is the mercy of God that gives us a way to come out of our past or our failures and into a future of victory with God. Grace is not a license, but it is. Grace is an opportunity. Grace doesn't leave us in bondage. Aren't you glad? It doesn't leave us in our condition. It's, it's not just a, a, a bunch of words that say, God, you're, God loves you, and don't worry about that you're addicted. Don't worry about your lifestyle. God loves you. And when he died on the cross, he covered all sins. You know, some people would take that verse that we read in the beginning the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. They make that as a, as a license. And that somehow, because after Calvary, that everybody's saved. No matter what you do, I, I got a problem with that. There's some people on death row that have done some heinous acts. And there's some that probably needs to be on death row. They just had not got caught yet. To humanity and mankind that there is a penalty. Now, do I believe they can be repent and be forgiven? I believe that. I do believe that. I think that can happen. But still, grace is not a license. It can be taken care of before. It's an opportunity to have forgiveness. So understanding the beauty of grace, that it's not a license, but it's rather breaking of the bondage and the power of sin over our lives. Now, when most of us think about grace, most people think back to the cross. Go back to the cross. Oh, that was, you didn't even get that looked at. 
back to the cross. We focus on the cross. And, 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 and the death burial of Jesus Christ and how he died for our sins and that he shed his blood. And what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing that there, there is a cross. One of my favorite songs says, If I had all the riches this world has to give, all the comfort that it brings, never needing anything, I could search the whole world over far and wide, trying to buy that precious love that was sent from God above. If I had all the riches this world had to give and gave it all away, every penny to my name, to some beggar on life's dark and lonely street, all this kindness found in me could not win eternity. It wouldn't be enough. No, it wouldn't be enough to buy one splinter of the tree that Jesus died on. And I couldn't pay the price of one single drop of blood that was shed for my salvation. Love that song. Another song, Lauren, and in fact, I was going to have Lauren and my wife, just Lauren and my wife coming, we was going to sing a little bit of that song we sang not too long ago red can explain the beauty of the rose white can't tell the magic in the air when it snows and marvelous can't half convey the grace of a king the only word for grace is amazing now the father looked beyond all the failures i had been he didn't notice all the times that i had not obeyed he overlooked all the scars the sins i held in me and the grace Oh, that he showed, it still amazes me. There's no other word for grace but amazing. No other explanation will do. Unmerited favor, a song that I sing. No other word for grace but amazing. And that song was first brought to us by the Gold City Quartet. And I can remember when that song first came out. I thought, wow, what a song. But it didn't reach its highest acclaim until the infamous Sperry Quartet recorded back in the 90s. Brother Bill Jones in the back was the, the bass singer on that. Infamous. <laughs> He's got his head. He won't even look up. <laughs> oh, those were good days. I'm so thankful for the cross. There's no other word for grace. But I mean, so glad Jesus was willing to, to drink the bitter cup and take our place. One verse of a song says, God could have chosen to never love again. Fallen man could go his way and die in his sin. But God in his compassion said, I'll pay redemption's price. So he took on the form of man and became the perfect sacrifice. Oh, if riches could have paid the debt, then God could have sold all the walls of jasper and the streets of purest gold. But he knew the price of one lost soul was more than wealth can buy. And if redemption were ever bought, only love would, could satisfy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth, believeth in him should not perish, should not perish. But they shall have, they shall have everlasting life. A number of years ago, I heard a radio show on one of the gospel stations, and it was called The Bible Answer Man. I was, just, in fact, this was before I was even married, so it's been a while. And I, people were calling in. He had a guest there, and they were discussing people, and, and they were discussing grace. 
and he said, uh, <clears throat> well, they accused our movement, our churches, of basing grace upon works because we believe in repentance. We believe in water baptism in Jesus' name. We believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost, but they called those works. That salvation when Jesus died on the cross, we just accept that, and that's all we need to do. He said it's kind of like having a hole so deep that you can't crawl out of. He said grace is that ladder. And I thought, well, isn't that something? That's a pretty good analogy, actually, because you still got to get on that ladder and climb out or you're just going to stay in the hole. So the death, burial, and resurrection, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost is climbing those rungs to get out of that hole. Or are you still going to stay in there? The ladder, the ladder going in the hole don't help if you don't climb out of it. One rung at a time. I didn't call in, but I, I, I can come up with a better argument than that. So, but, but grace goes... Even further back. Grace goes even farther back than the cross. It does. It really does. You could actually probably take it all the way back to, to Bethlehem. Because without, without the birth of Jesus, you can't have the death of Jesus. When the angels appeared to the shepherds and the wise men came from afar... And they met there, saw Jesus after his birth. You know, the, the whole Christmas story would not have happened if it weren't for the grace of God. It was in his design to go all the way back and to make that happen for you and I. So without the ba baby in Bethlehem, you have no cross of Calvary. So in essence, grace comes from his birth. But actually... Grace goes farther back than that. I need to focus, Brother Essence. You're farther away. There it is. Grace goes even farther back than, than the cross and farther back than the birth of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. A lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. It's talking about Jesus Christ. From the foundation of the world, from the very beginning. But, that, but Jesus wasn't born until Bethlehem. You got the whole Old Testament leading up to that. And that's thousands and thousands of years. And you're saying he was slain from the foundation? That doesn't make sense. It's because it was in the plan of God. All the way back where they were... Digging the footings, the very foundation. How many's ever dug a footing? A footing's important on the building. Very important. It's the very base of the structure. It's the very first thing that goes in the ground is the footing. It's the very beginning when God was looking at our world and planning it. Within that, He planned. The death of Jesus Christ. He had a, a plan. He had a redemption plan. God saw the end from the beginning. 
he knew we would need grace as well. He saw the beginning of time and the end of time all like a scroll laid out. He's not limited time. He can see everything from the beginning to the end all at once. He, he sees the beginning of creation. He sees the end. He sees us. He sees us. He sees every, every milestone, every part. He sees our life. He sees our failures. He sees our, our shortcomings. And he sees what we, and he knew we would need grace. So he wrote it into the plan, grace, from the very foundation. How's that going to happen? I'm going to roll myself in flesh, and I'm going to walk among them, and then I'm going to die on the cross. That was in the plan from the very beginning. It all happened by design. He orchestrated it. He engineered it. He scheduled it. He designed it into the blueprints. Just like our world, we live in, that. It, it, it's got a design. He planned it. It didn't come into, our world didn't come into existence by some accidental cosmic explosion. It happened because God spoke it into existence. Just how, I don't know. How it all came about, I don't know. But I know he spoke it and he made it happen. Had he not spoken and had he not made it happen, it wouldn't have happened. I wasn't there, I don't know how. But it's going to be a good question to ask when we get over there. God, how did you do that? <laughs> we'll find out how good some of these scientists really were. But it's all in his creation and plan. And in that, he included the grace factor. Oh, how amazing it is. Song says, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Another song. I'm on to songs today, if that's all right. <laughs> we have so many songs. They could, songs preach a message, or they should. This one says, On the balcony of space stepped a pure and holy God, and in awesome solitude he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light, just endless rolling blackest night. But somehow... Through all the darkness, he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow, and even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion as close to love as pain can be. Standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me. In his likeness, he saw me just like him. Pure, clean, and holy. Spotless, white within. But then he saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to set me free. But he knew if I become like him, he must become like me. He knew if I become like him, he must become like me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Grace is an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. 
where would you be if not for the grace of God? Where would you be? What, what, think, think, just think for a second. What would you be doing today if it weren't for the grace of God? Would some of you even be alive? Because we know the end result of sin and that lifestyle. Where would you be? You see, the grace of God, not only does it save us, through his grace we find salvation, that opportunity, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the grace that we have that available to us. Grace provides that. Now, grace is it's available to all men, just like the Scripture said, but how many actually step on that ladder and climb out? Some people want to stay in the hole for some reason. But grace teaches us. It's a teacher. I, how, many, how many members the first, when you first received the Holy Ghost for the first time? Do you remember? I, I was seven years old, so that's, that's, way, that's 52 years ago. <laughs> way back there. Way back there. And I, I, now, did I get everything right, right off the bat? No. Did I get any spankers from my mom and dad after I received the Holy Ghost? Probably. We won't go into all the details, the gory details, but I do remember, <laughs> I do remember one time dad was busting me. I mean, he was laying in, I don't remember what I did, but it must have been really bad. Man, he was tearing me up, and I was screaming. And we lived in an old home, and, and Mom said, Bill, the neighbors can hear him. And I went, wah, louder. <laughs> she was my salvation. <laughs> I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought he wasn't ever going to stop. But he finally let up after that. I'd made, I'd made my, my dad mad, to say the least. Not that he's got a temper or anything. <laughs> Amazing grace. <laughs> but but <clears throat> grace teaches us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. This is something that you get when you get grace. You start learning. And are you going to make mistakes? Probably. Are you going to get angry again? Probably. Are you going to do something wrong that you shouldn't have done? It's likely. But Brother uh, T.F. Tenney preached a camp meeting years ago. He talked about a man that was pretty bad. He'd been teaching Bible study to the man wanted to find God. And he'd get him up to a certain point, and the man was all into it, and all of a sudden he would just, like, shut down. And, 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 and he would leave, and Brother Tenney couldn't, couldn't understand what the problem was. Finally, he asked him, said, I, I've been teaching you. You get right up to this point, and you, you back off. He said, Brother Tenney, you don't know what I 
I've been. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. He said, my wife doesn't even know. He said, I'm a killer for hire. I'm a hired. He said, I've done a lot of bad things. He said, I just don't think God can forgive me. course he told him doesn't matter what you've done God can forgive now society may not <laughs> you may have to pay a penalty but God forgives that is amazing because I know some very terrible things people have done but God can forgive them When we live under grace, we learn to walk according to God's design for us. Verse 13 said that grace is teaching us, in our scripture text, grace is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Soberly means to be spiritually conscious. It's not talking about alcohol. He's talking, be, talking about being spiritually cognizant, understanding the seriousness of being spiritually connected with, with God. And that comes through grace. If you, don't, if you don't experience the grace of God through, through the death, burial, and resurrection, you're not going to recognize this. That's why the world doesn't understand us. Because they haven't had an experience like we have. They don't know what makes us tick. We're, we're totally on a different frequency. Our culture is, is diametrically opposite of this world. God's culture is, is, and so when we do certain things, they just shake their head in disbelief. Why are they doing it? Why do you go to church and give them your money? Why do you put money in the offering? You could be investing in that. You, you could put that. They just don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. Why do you spend all that time? You can come to the lake and be with us. And you can. And you can do this, and you can do that. You can, you can tour. You can, well, you know, you don't still don't understand. We we want to go to church. I can remember my aunt, mom's sister. She's passed on now. Aunt Mary asked me one time when mom and dad wasn't around. She said, Ronnie, when you grow up, are you going to go to church all the time like you and mom and dad do? At the time, I didn't have an answer. I said, I don't know. Well, somewhere along the line. It got in me, Brother Porter. It got in you too, didn't it? <laughs> it got in you. And you fell in love with Jesus. And there's no other place you want to be. In fact, when you don't have church, and it's normally your church time, you feel like a cat or a fish out of water, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> you, know? you feel it doesn't feel right. You're supposed to be in church. I've, we even had neighbors call and say, something wrong, y'all are normally at church. We've had that happen before. Well, they, we didn't have church tonight because it's fifth Sunday or whatever it was. Of course, COVID changed everything. So soberly means to be spiritually conscious. Godly means to be, now wait for this. I'm fixing to give you some explanation of what godly means. You ready? It means to be godly. 
ugly. To be like God. To take on God's characteristics and, and, and for people to look at you and recognize that you're influenced by God. By the way you talk. How many have ever had somebody say, where do you go to church? Well, how do you know I go to church? I can tell you go to church. You don't talk like normal people. You, you know, your jokes are clean. <laughs> they laugh at me at work because my jokes are so clean and corny. Sometimes I think they laugh just because they feel sorry for me. <laughs> but we take on God's character. We take on his holiness. I mean, we could, we could, we could, we could go a lot of directions here. When, when we, we are godly and we take on the attributes of God, we take on his kindness, his love, his long-suffering. Oh, we could go a while. There are, you know, there are four verses in the Old Testament that say to worship God in the beauty of holiness. Worship God in the beauty. It's, it's a worship. Living holy is a worship. God gets, gets praise. He gets he gets worship out of that when, when somebody will deny and, and go against the grain and the, and the current of our world and dress holy and live holy and talk holy. Holy is... The dishwasher got it all. Ooh. I'm going to put that in for another round. Grab this one. Make sure all the lights are on when you see it because you don't know. Now that looks good enough. Pour our coffee. I do that. I do that. And how many would drink out of a cup that was clean on the inside, but you look at the outside and it's just caked with stuff? Yuck. No, nobody would do how many goes to a restaurant and gets your, your silverware wrapped up in the, in the napkin, you open it up, and still got an egg in between the forks? How many's ever seen that? I've seen that. Do you, do you just say, well, it'll be all right. It, it got washed. No, I think most. Pack the silverware here and just take that and hide it and then walk out. No, we wouldn't eat that with that. And so that's why we have holiness inside and outside. God's grace is designed to separate us from our failures and not leave us in them. Holiness is a much, as much of worship as clapping our hands, singing, our music, our shouting, as being honest, as loving one another, as showing love and charity. It's, it's, a, it's a component of that. All these are attributes of a holy life. So too many people want to leave, leave parts of it out. You ever notice that? You know, I want to give you one of my pet peeves. This is all right. I got a pet peeve. It's country singers. Sing about drinking, smoking, running around, cheating, and then they, they come up with a gospel album. You know? I come to the garden. They got great voices. I like hearing them. I just have a problem with their lifestyle. They want they want the best of both worlds. But that's not what grace is about, and they think it is. If they 
they put up, of course, they make money off the gospel albums too. So they're they're trying to satisfy us Christians and give us a little carrot here. Verse 14 said that he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You notice he said redeem us from all iniquity, not just part of it, not just the parts we want to hang on, the lifestyle we want to keep, but no, all the iniquity. So grace is not a Band-Aid, a cover-up that just covers the wrong so nobody can see it. It's like, it's like in the Bible days, you know, when, when they, they put up the groves and God, the man of God would come through and he cut the groves down. The groves was what was hiding their sacrifices and hiding it so nobody could see what they were doing, their, their, their church service. We, want, no, we don't want nobody to see what we're doing here. It's kind of embarrassing, you know. No, they would cut the groves down. Of course, it'd make some of them mad. Oh, you cut our groves down. It took us years to grow those trees. <laughs> but grace is not a band-aid that covers up the wrong, but rather a healer of what the wrong has done. Verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, our hope is not just in this life. Although a life living for Christ is better than any other, Under Crouch had a song that says, Heaven never was promised to me. And living, I forget, but it, the, the end line said, But it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Living in the walk, world of darkness, He gave me, the, gave me the light. Even if we didn't have heaven, this life is better than living without God. But the icing on the cake is there is a heaven. There is a reward. And that's all because of the grace of God. He gives us that opportunity. Our hope is not in this world, but in the one to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Coming to the Lord is going to be like a wedding day. The Bible describes it as a, like a wedding. He, in fact, we are we are the bride of Christ, and we, we're a spouse. The Bible one verse says we're a spouse to God. We're a spouse to Jesus, and there's a day He's coming. Revelation twenty one verse two, and I John saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. 
he shall be my son. First Thessalonians chapter 4, I come to a close. Chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Let's love him together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. How many is thankful for amazing grace? We're going to take a little break before we continue our worship service and the young people come in. So you're welcome to visit, talk a little bit. I don't know if there's coffee. There were some sweet rolls in there a while ago. I don't know if the young people got them all. But you're welcome to try one. We'll see you here in a few minutes. <laughs> 